I feel confident that we're going to have a great season next year. We're going to compete for ACC championship. We're going to compete for a college football playoff spot. We, we're too much progress to slow it down. That's how college football works. If any people that's been around college football a long time, we all know it goes in cycles. Teams that's been on the top before, they find their way back to the top. Our formula's working. Our guys are buying in. We're putting in the work. Our conference is set up for us to be successful. I'm sorry. That's the way it is. We <laughs> think success one... and I was there at the right time. Think about it. Think about it. We hit success at the right time. In three years, Jimbo had a championship. In three years, there's no reason why Coach Norvell is building it, except he's building it the right way. He's doing it with guys with academically. You know what I mean? Academic, academic All-Americans are on. Scholars are on the wall inside the Moore Center. I've never seen that many football guys academically scholared. They're graduating almost two semesters early, a year early. And then they're continuously staying and playing and getting another, their second degrees. That's how you build a program. Coach Storm, bigger, stronger, faster, dedicated to the weight room, dedicated to eating right. That's how you build a program. Coach Norvell's doing it the right way. Our time is coming. We're going to have a great season, a great summer. Um, bar injury this offseason, um, you know, keep these guys healthy. But I'm confident in what, what we've shown. I'm very confident. Hey, guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Nose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, a.k.a. E-Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live. Go Nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear. Go Nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear, presented by No Game Day. No Bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. The great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I could, I could wake up to that greeting every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on. SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What's happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson from Here the Spear, presented to you by NoGameDay.com. We are here live on a fantastic, wonderful. Wednesday evening following a wild and massive week for Mike Novell and the Florida State Seminoles after they re after they ended their spring showcase on Saturday afternoon. We've got a lot to talk about along with some commits. We've got transfer portal. We've got some attrition on Florida State's roster. It's a variety of everything tonight, along with some basketball stuff too. A very busy Florida State Athletics weekend overall for both football and basketball, those programs. But with us this evening, this is the best. I've been looking forward to having this guy back on with us for a long while. Our former co-host of Here the Spear, former 2013 national champion, and should we say, what, assistant coach now after coaching the Seminole Showcase with <laughs> P.J. Williams. What up, Lois? How we doing, baby? I appreciate you guys having me back, man. Like, uh, what uh... – uh, Dustin called it earlier a family reunion. You know what I'm saying? Just a little family reunion, man. A great weekend. Um, good seeing PJ. Um, great meeting Mr. Ward in person. Like, got to shake his hand for the first time ever. 
Um, wow. We talked for like 45 straight minutes before we met with Coach Norvell uh, before the spring game. So that was a really unique um, um, opportunity. But um, it was awesome, man. So thank, thank you guys for having me back. Always, man. It was a really fun weekend. I was traveling back up and got to see D. Lou. Uh, got to see our guy Tommy and the rest of some of the guys on the beat. So I just love being back in the stadium also because we're not going to be there for a good long while. Florida State doesn't open their season there. They go into Orlando to play LSU. So it's going to be a minute before we get back in the dog, but just felt good. And I'll be honest with you guys, I kind of we kind of were a little harsh on it, bashing it, saying it's a little boring. You know, it's a practice on service, <laughs> which it is, but there was a lot of good takeaways and a lot more entertaining than the previous year. So got to give credit there to Mike. So guys, let's jump right into it. Let's, let's start off with this spring showcase. What, what were y'all's overall thoughts of it? And Lois, I'll start with you because you were down there on the field and we'll get into your coaching side of things, but you know, you were able to, like you said, meet around with Mike you got to be on the sideline, be around some of those players. You know, I just want to give your overall – I want to hear your overall thoughts on on the day. Um, I got to go to practice the, the week before on a Thursday. Um, it's just energetic. Um, they're focused, uh, attention to detail, and very situational football. Um, I was there, and, and guys that played at Florida State before me, former players, um, prior to my playing, were like, wow, he's doing special teams in the middle of practice. That's so crazy. That's so situational. Like, coaches aren't doing that. Um you know, it's transitioning a football player's head from, you know, a third down red zone situation into emergency field goal or to an emergency punt or to being backed up and having a, a, a special team situation to covering kicks. Um, he's always transitioning into the next phase because it does happen like that. And football is a blink of an eye type of game. Um, situation goes up and down. Um, the momentum goes up and down. So he does a great job of, you know, lasering in on focus and situational football, which a transitions into wins. I mean, controlling the football, line of scrimmage, can, I mean, controlling the clock, um, scoring the ball when you first have the first possession, and scoring it when you come out the tunnel. Um, that's very, very important. And when you practice that nonstop, your guys go out there and execute at a high level. I would say the, the first thing that popped out to me on Saturday was really the play of Kentron Poitier and also Kalen Deloach. And I'll just start with D'Lo, you know, making a great read. And, I mean, really seeing the ball come out of Jordan Travis's hands before he even threw it, getting there for an interception that would have been a pick six in a game. Then later on, a fourth down scenario, um, getting with Rodney Hill in space, forcing the fumble, and then also recovering it and what would have been another defensive touchdown. So, I mean, a really impressive outing for him that kind of showed the spring he put in going into his uh, final season of college eligibility. And then Kentron – I think we've got to call him the king of the spring. I mean, really consistent throughout the entirety of the practice period and seems to be on the verge of a breakout campaign for FSU in 2023. And, I mean, just just showed that off on Saturday. Four catches north of 80 yards, had that touchdown, had that freakish, ridiculous one-handed catch on the sidelines. I mean, two guys for Florida State really showing out. It was a busy – I don't know if you got to see any of it, VZ. I'm sure you saw some of the highlights. But, yeah, Kentron Portier, a guy that we talked about all throughout spring camp, making those plays. And the one thing that we always were – the one thing that was hurting him was just staying healthy. And if you can have a healthy Tron, then it's humongous. I mean, it's it's major. And it shows he was one of the most consistent guys through camp. He would make plays in the red zone. He also did it in games last year. It's just if he could go week by week and be able to play, that was his biggest – 
downfall for him, but he really did solidify himself, talked about it in our preview. I said, I think Tron has the chance, will be a will be a starter in 2023, and I think he solidified that spot, which is something that Florida State had some question marks going into this spring. You had to figure out, what do you do now with Ontario Wilson, a pokey, a guy that was reliable, that helped your offense a ton, make explosive plays. How would you replace him or at least have another talent onto that starting unit? But I think Tron now fits that and that takes care of it. Still a lot of question marks and we're going to evaluate the next couple podcasts of some things that need to be done. we got a lot of new stuff to go through this week, but there's going to be a lot of conversation about depth and everything. But that wide receiver room is still uh, that helps a ton with, with Tron making those plays. And I think Kalen Deloach looked looked phenomenal. He, he did I, him. And I think the linebackers as a whole really impressed me in coverage. That's something that would probably be one of their weaknesses the last couple of years. But I thought Lundy, I mean, shoot, I know there was one grab. I forget who, who I think he deflected one uh, far. It was, it was a pretty good route too, ran by, by the offensive player, but Lundy was there in really tight coverage. And that's something that Lundy, before a year or two ago just wasn't you know he wouldn't be in the stride with them so him working on his body and everything helped a ton but yeah like you said Delu, that th- those two stood out a ton and it's just great to see that definitely specifically w- with with Tron he- he's gonna have to be a pivotal player for Florida State's offense in 2023 it's good to see him build on the finish he had the last season because he had a n- couple of really nice plays in the last few games of last season Built on it in spring, and it, that, that one-handed catch in the spring game up the sideline, Duffy kind of overthrew him just a little bit, but it's just a phenomenal catch. And EJ Manuel talks about it on the broadcast, just how much he's been working on his route running, trying to develop a more overall consistent receiver. And, you know, if he could continue looking, looking like he did in the spring showcase, it's going to be a very dangerous wide receiver unit going forward. And I guess just to finish off with Tron, to me it's really – the development and the strides that he's made throughout his career at Florida State, a guy who's going in to year four. And Mike Norvell, Mike Norvell actually talked about it after the showcase. Um, he only played one year of high school football th- during his prep career. So, I mean, he was pretty raw coming into Florida State and has consistently continued to grow. Last year, second on the team in, in yards per reception, over 20 yards a catch. So, I mean, really showing that potential. And I think now it's coming into the the overall consistency of being a wide receiver. And we're also seeing him take some really big steps as far as blocking. And that's one thing that Mike Norvell, Ron Dugans, and, and Florida State really covet in that offense. The wide receivers, if you're going to be out there on the field, you've got to be able to block. Los, this running back room, I know you were close there on the sidelines. So you got you got a nice view of them, but Trey Benson, you know, wasn't didn't seem like a full full on go. Got a couple reps here and there, but it was really heavily on the shoulders of C.J. Campbell, Rodney Hill. You know, you also had some Lawrence Toa Philly, Baby Nine, with a little bit of extra explosiveness. I was like, oh, okay, okay. We see it in practice, but you see it on the game field, which is nice. But what do you think? about that running back room because you lost Trayshawn Ward. And I think Los, whenever we talked about Ward, you know, we're all fans of Trayshawn Ward and his abilities and what he brought to that offense the last couple of years for Florida State. So that was something that they had to find an answer for this spring and moving forward. Cause I Holmes couldn't play, wasn't available on Saturday. What do you think just overall running back room? That room is dangerous. Um, it's, it's, it's multiple. Um, it's, it's so multiple. Um, just after the game, um, me, Coach Johnson, the running backs, uh, uh, Dexter Carter, a Florida State great, and James were just sitting there talking to them, and we were just describing them like got goosebumps, like everybody's needed in this room. 
There's no one, no one man show in this room. Um, there's not going to be a Cam Akers in that room. Um, Toa Philly's the most versatile. Like he does everything. He's catching balls. He's laying off of people, scoring touchdowns away in Clemson. That's big. You got a home run hitter and a power back, something like James Wilder and, you know, and Benson. And then CJ and Holmes are a, a lot like Devontae. They, they're, they're shifty. They're in and out the cuts. They're hitting the power. They're hitting the inside zone. They're breaking one, more than one tackle, making the first man miss. They're gaining those tough yards. Um, and then you got Hill. You got 2-9. And you don't want to let him get the edge because he's out of there. And so with everybody touching the ball, I would say lean on that run game. Um, I'd be very, very unselfish in that room. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if everybody wants to get drafted, everybody has to touch the ball. If I want to get drafted and I'm a running back, I want the other guys to touch the ball because I don't need 20-plus carries anymore. You know, every every run, every run, look at every team in the NFL. They're looking for two backs. They're looking for guys to do multiple things. And you're a team that I don't have to do everything. And so when I go out to practice, hey, man, I want you to get that so I can get this. I want you to run this so I can run that. And we kind of kind of explained that to him. I mean, I didn't want – I didn't get 20 carries my junior year. We had Devontae. We had James. There was no way. Devontae stopped getting 20 carries a game almost when we when we all was getting – I mean, you had three backs over 500, three backs all over almost five touch, – ten touchdowns. Like, that's that's insane. That, that's kind of backfield we have now, and backs want to come be a part of that. Homes transferred to come be a part of that. Um, I mean, I miss Ward. I love Ward, but Ward knew what was coming to the backfield. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I would too if I was in that situation. You no, know, getting a scholarship, earning a scholarship, and becoming the starter. Then the guy that's transferred in is, is is a home run hitter, and then he becomes a real home run hitter during the season. So it wasn't like we were missing. Um, it was obvious what was going to take place. I just want these guys to understand that everybody is needed, everybody is wanted, everybody can eat. You just got to let be okay with everybody else eating. Yeah, it's just what Mike Norvell has been doing ever since Memphis. I mean, the guy just produces quality running back rooms from top to to bottom. And, I mean, like Lowe said, there's legitimately five guys in Florida State's running back room. I mean, every single one of them are quality football players. And this competition throughout the spring has been really exciting to watch. It's going to be even better in the fall when it starts getting down to the nitty gritty and guys are starting to fight for upcoming playing time against LSU. And, you know, throughout that 2023 season, it's, it's going to be exciting because, you know, like, like Lo said, we saw what Benson's done. Lawrence to has been extremely consistent throughout his career, impacting things on the ground and through the air. Rodney Hill seems like that guy who's primed to break out. I mean, right there, alongside Kentron with someone who I was extremely impressed with uh, throughout the spring. I mean, we saw him doing it in practice last year too, you know, and then you've got the guys, Kaiseya Holmes and um, CJ who are walk-ons, but I mean, they are sitting there making plays in practice every single day and especially CJ coming on late during the spring. So I think you've got to be really excited for what you've got in that backfield. And I mean, you're going to ride those guys out through throughout the 2023 season. I think at some point you could see all five of them contribute. I love me some CJ Campbell. I'm not gonna lie. I, he was good I, I Saturday. Like that kid. Yep. He had some. He had some moments Saturday. He knows. Mm-hmm. He he he. Once, once this backfield learns their identity, and they mm-hmm. truly grasp, this is my role. This is what I I'm good at. This is what I'm gonna excel at, and this is how we're gonna win games because I'm just gonna do this right here. 
they're the sky's the limit. Everybody can get touchdowns. Everybody's rushing rushing yards because once you start excelling at what you're great at, it opens up everybody else to do what they're good at. You know what I'm saying? I'm not extending myself to do things I'm not good at because coach can't trust this guy to do this, this, and this. Like, no, I'm in my lane. Like, I knew when Dalvin came into Florida State what time it was. Los was not an idiot. <laughs> I, I wasn't. I was we recruited one of the best backs in the country. We got one of the best backs in the country. I was not recruited to be a running back. I was being coached and learning how to play a position. So I knew at some point he was going to either match me or surpass me. Naturally, it happened. But I knew for me to be successful, I needed him. Now, I, mean, I had a, I had 22 touchdowns in two seasons. Nobody's done that. And that not coming in as a running back. So I knew I needed Dalvin. And Dalvin, ben, I benefited from him. He benefited from me. He didn't take a pounding. He didn't have to. He didn't have to run inside zone or power or trap. He didn't have to because I would do it for him. I didn't have to run screens, a tall sweep, outside zone. He did it for me. But we complimented each other, and I appreciated it. Like, it's been one of the best things. I, I benefited from that more than anything ever, having a complimentary back and a teammate that understood – I understood his role. He understood my role and we respected it and we played off of it. I think this is great. We're having you on here, Lowe's, because you actually have a unique perspective from that time. And that's what Florida State's going into this year. And I mean, that's how Mike Norvell's stable is. But you bring a good perspective of that because this room is going to be shared among guys that have different traits and different talents like you had in your room. You know, and Trey Benson a little bit, kind of like in the wilder scheme of things, and like you were saying with Devontae Freeman, going to a few of the other backs on current on the current roster for Florida State. Let's go to let's go to quarterbacks here and, and go through Jordan Travis, Tate Rodemaker, uh, you know AJ Duffy and Brock Lynn. You know, starting with Jordan Travis, looking sharp, man. I know Kalen Deloach made a nice play to grab that interception, but overall, you know, things looked smooth. It's just what we were seeing all throughout the spring, sharp making plays and that beautiful toss was, was very nice in the corner of the end zone. I, I think, you know, that's just not a shocker there for, for Jordan. And I'm glad that he was able to get through there uh, and, and make a few plays and then get off the field. Don't need to see him out there for too much longer because you do need to have some answers and some stuff to look at from Duffy uh, Rod and Maker, but mainly Duffy, and I wanted to see. I wanted to see a little bit of Brock Glenn. What were y'all's overall thoughts on on the room? Yeah, I thought you saw exactly what you wanted to see out of Jordan. Obviously, he had that perfect throw to to Kentron that ended up going for a touchdown. I mean, other than that, get him out of the game, like you said. Let's get a look at these other three guys. Um, it, it wasn't a perfect outing for you know Tate Rodemaker, but I do think when you compare this performance to maybe what we've seen in the past, he's definitely been making strides year to year. A.J. Duffy, you know, through the interception, true freshman Quindarius Jones coming in there on the sideline to pick that one off, a great play by him. But, I mean, other than that, a solid day overall. You know, still some inconsistencies that that he wants to clean up moving forward into fall camp. And then Brocklin, you know, definitely looked like a true freshman early on, but settled in for a couple nice moments down there towards the the latter end of the spring showcase. I mean, you saw some signs from all three of them. It's going to be interesting to see how this competition continues into fall camp. Obviously, Rodemaker and Duffy trying to fight for that number two job and Brock Lynn in there competing as well. Glenn had a couple really nice throws. He had that one up the seam to Morlock, and then he had that back shoulder to Jacobs late in the game that Jacobs sprung loose. Um, What I was surprised about with Duffy was his ability to escape the pocket. I know he's shown it in the past, but to see it in the spring game, 
Um, just kind of open my eyes up to him a little bit more as a player for maybe what they can use for him in the future. Yeah, I think I like everybody this. played solid. I think it was I think it was a solid outing as a quarterback room. Um, you got to see athleticism out of Duffy, um, escaping the pocket, getting out, getting out, getting out the pocket, um, trying to reach for the first downs, knowing where the sticks are. Um, I had Brock at my part of the mm-hmm. showcase, so it was nice seeing him um, translate. I ran a little no huddle also in there, speeding up, getting the call, getting the guys to the line of scrimmage. Um, and also you want to see the mistakes. Like I want to see Travis throw a pick. Why? Because I want to see our defense make a play because I know he's been working to be on point. So if he if his receiver is on point, he's on point, and that defender throws a pick, and he throws a pick, that means that everybody's doing the right thing. That means we're moving in the right direction. That just happened to be a bam, bam play, you know? So people talk yep. about, oh, the pick, and he's just, no, the pick was perfect because that means fours on the defense reading the right keys. He's playing the right things. I mean, Travis read the right read and tried to fit the ball into a good window. Ford just made a good play. And those things are something that you want to see holistically. Um, yeah, I think it was great getting them in and out, letting getting them in, him scoring, getting them out the game, getting the young guys some reps. Um, I like Tate's confidence. He's playing with confidence, and that's something that we haven't seen. You know, him coming in and playing against uh, Louisville, that was a lot of confidence, throwing the ball deep um, to Johnny, you know, making those big-time plays and coming mm-hmm. and winning that game for us like that. We've seen that this spring game, stepping up in the pocket, throwing the ball downfield, not being afraid uh, to make plays. And that's something that's going to you know, help him sit in that second seat as our second. But Duffy's athleticism again, him throwing good balls, um, putting the ball in position that um, 88 can make that one-handed catch. You no know, things like that. That's a shot he took, you know. Let, let my guy go make a play. Those things you also want to see in your young quarterback. Um, but like you said, Brock did play like a, fr- uh, a freshman. Um, you know, happy feet during the headlights, but it was exciting to see him out there and compete. You know, that's something that you also want to see. You don't want to see a freshman, you know, not compete because no guest coaches are going to be calling plays or whatnot. It's still game like reps. You want to play as fast as you can. You want to read the reads and get the ball distributed to your guys. Make sure the handoffs are crisp. Make sure guys are lined up, you know. Um, but mm. like I said, it, it was great for me, from my perspective. It was nice, good quarterback play. Um, 13, Jay Trav, he demand, he commanded the offense. He ran it smooth. Um, you know, he, he escaped the pocket, you know, pointed down. He was down, um, you know, really taking care of the football team and himself at the same time. So it's really, really awesome to see. Can we get him back on here full time? You sent over a contract after the show? Or? <laughs> yeah, we got to do – he's a busy man. He's a busy man. I'm going to try to talk him into – we got to do at least season maybe – once a month, something like that. <laughs> a lot, lot, always, always phenomenal insight. I, you know, just finished off in the quarterback room. I, I think the theme for Mike Norvell is responding, respond to your mistakes or respond to adversity. Like anything that goes wrong, respond to. And I like Brock, you know, having a slow start to it, having a slow start overall, and then slowly climbing back and making those plays and making that drive and connecting with Dre. Then you connect with Hakeem for the touchdown that's just what i think my just loves to see he kills for that and it was good to see from glenn i think i was expecting more out of duffy that was someone that i was one of the top guys i want to see from this and i know this is a practice so it's not i'm not taking this to where oh my god you know everything's fallen but i'll be honest with you i haven't seen anything change that much i mean there's a few things here and there dlu that we'll see at practices but and i know it's a spring showcase is what it is but you know, I don't think there's a QB two 
battle. You know, it's it's Jay Trav and there's Tate Rodemaker, and then I think there's a QB three battle. I mean, uh, later on you can talk about that in fall camp, but I overall it's not it's not you know just eh okay you know I, I just don't see much growth, and I and I've seen the determination and the the maturity happen there and the focus, and we've heard great things from all of the assistant coaches on it, but I'm just not seeing that develop onto the field as much and you know that, that's just question, somewhat somewhat i don't know <laughs> if go. I heard, I heard that in a while. <laughs> oh you're gonna ask question. me the questions let me ask you a question yep so with the hand that's being dealt okay rotomaker is what year he's going into he's, he's, he's going into year four year four. four so he's what red shirt junior this year right yep duffy's a red shirt what freshman Who's transferring if they don't, if they don't get the two spot? I don't think I don't think Rodemaker's ever going to transfer from Florida State. I don't see that happening. I think he's fine, kind of where he's at. Because and I, I think we've hit his. I think we've hit the Rodemaker ceiling for sure. Like you think so? Yeah, I think so. I think I we've think seen. So. I don't think that's fair to say he hasn't had enough opportunity. We've had one quarterback for how long? And I'm I can't I'm not knocking thirteen because he's deserved it from beginning yeah. to end. From running around like Russell Wilson to standing in the pocket taking shots and throwing touchdowns in 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 New Orleans, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So he's earned every bit of respect that he's he deserves all. But he's never got a chance to touch the field or play consistently. Or, I love or what like I saw out of Louisville. I mean that. I mean that's one that game. was big. I just don't think. Yeah, but I don't think. Okay, Logan. We went at least going into 2024. I don't. We went from EJ Manuel to a spring showcase between Trickett and Jameis to Jameis Winston and win a national championship. Coker. Like, Coke. Great Coker battle never there. never got a shot. Coker went to mm-hmm. Batman and won a championship, bro. Now, Coker, Coker, Coker I think, Coker is different levels. I think there's different levels there between um, Rodemaker and, out. and Time Coke. Out. <laughs> Time out. Time out. Because we, we were hearing honest, great things. I love Coker. Coker wasn't going into Louisville like Tate and beating Louisville. He wasn't doing that. For real? He wasn't doing that. He wasn't. You you, you believe he was? He won himself national championship going against At SEC Alabama. defenses. I don't see. I don't see. Not not like this is a not. This is no like we're sending a segment on on Rodemaker okay. here. But I think we've hit. I think we've hit the talent. Like we know what we're going to get out of Rodemaker. What Could I think we? that Louisville. Game was gigantic in 2013 with Rotomaker. With the talent that helps a lot, but you're not winning a national championship now. I don't think so. No, uh, what what they give you on the sideline, Los? Down there, I think we could. <laughs> what they think, put in that power raid, Los? Because, no, because what where I'm sitting, guys, where I'm sitting is that. We want guys to play now, right? We want guys to come in and be able to do it now. How long have we had Jay Trav to reach this point at his, at, and, and his ability that he's progressed this much, right? Mm. I'm, I'm not down in 13, but how much progression has he had over the years? How much? How many years has he been in college football to get this good, to give him this much credit? Only one right? more than Rodemaker. With game experience, though, <laughs> D. Lou, stop. <laughs> I'm not. No, I mean, with game if we're talking so. 2024, then that's a whole different situation because we, are, you know, this is already locked for 23. But, but, but I don't you, think but you there's. Gotta, a, but you gotta see where I'm coming from. But it's just I'm talking about pure game, 
experience. If Dan goes out there and gets game experience and takes the same lumps that Jay Trav takes, athletically he's not the same. But I still think he's still producing somewhat same success with the same roster. He just mm, lacks I game experience. My my whole thing was about Duffy there. Like I, I said, oh. you know, I, 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 I wanted Duffy. I wanted Duffy. I wanted Duffy to be. Tape. I wanted Duffy to be pushing Rodemaker. Like that's that's how Rodemaker was going to get better if Duffy was going to be on his heels. But after the spring showcase and just going through camp and such, I don't think that's the case. I don't think Duffy is on Rodemaker's heels to push him. And you know, luckily, you know what? You know, Jordan Travis was able yes. to stay fully healthy last yes. year. That was great. But then. But then you, you just never know. But I, I want Duffy to be pushing. You know, I, I want I want a QB two battle. That's what Atkins talked about after the game. He wants a, he would be excited for a QB two battle. But I think they kind of know. Okay, Duffy's not there yet to where you're going to put him out at, at Louisville over Rodemaker. And at the time, though, you thought that was going to happen. But you know, the one thing we saw growth wise from Rodemaker was respond. He threw in bad interception. He comes back in the second half. He's able to lead Florida State to a victory on the road Friday night like that. That was humongous for this program overall and Rodemaker was the one that was the general on the field doing that but I just I just need I need him to push I need him to push Rodemaker I don't think anybody's I don't I don't know if anybody's transferring but I also don't think Rodemaker's transferring I don't think that it would have to be, it yeah, have to be on I, Duffy's uh, side the way you explain it that's understandable I see I see what you're saying I agree though mm-hmm. after that I agree I see what you're saying he's he's been here a while he's he's comfortable in Tallahassee he he's where mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's where he's he's going to be, and he's going to graduate and finish graduating and maybe get another degree from here before he gets out of here. So I get what you're saying, though. That's understandable. I think well, a, a legit QB2 battle would be huge for Florida State because, obviously, you know, we've talked about it. It's going to take something significant to unseat Rodemaker from being Jordan Travis's primary backup. I mean, he's already proved it. We talked about Louisville and everything. He's been here in the system for – a prolonged period of time. So, I mean, you've got to be, you've got to feel very comfortable, you know, if something happens, he has to come into that game. You're, you feel comfortable with what he can provide you, but behind him, you know, it is fair to say, you know, you want AJ Duffy to be stepping up and at least making a little bit of a challenge to unseat Rodemaker going into his second year. I mean, you're still seeing the flashes, but really it comes down to this time, the day-to-day consistency. And I mean, it's just not there yet for Duffy, a guy who is a little bit raw coming in is going to take some refinement, and, I mean, the same thing with Brock Glenn, who's entering his first year at Florida State, you know, a guy who shouldn't have even graduated high school yet. So, you know, so very early in his career. But just a quarterback competition would be good for the future of Florida State because you know what you have in Jordan Travis. He's going to be here in 2023. But after that, you know, you're looking at the 2024 season that you're going to be starting on the road in another country facing Georgia Tech over there in Ireland with a new starting quarterback for the first time in – what, four or five years? I mean, it's going to be a huge moment for Florida State and a national stage. So I, I think a quarterback competition and just these guys continuing to push each other throughout the fall uh, is good for the future of the program. And, and what are you laughing we, at? We, we can't – Dog, it's how, it's, it's how d Lou be putting it. d Lou said Florida State will be starting a whole new quarterback in 2024 <laughs> overseas in Ireland. It's going down. <laughs> I do like the, the extra details. Boy. <laughs> but, I, mean, I get what you're saying. And Go ahead, leave easy. Big. I mean, that's why this. I, I get it, man. I'm, I I sit from a very different perspective, and that's why I love being on with you guys. Um, mm-hmm. I do. I love and I respect you guys' opinions, man. I, I'm okay with saying I, I'm corrected. Um, but that is a very good point. Um, it is pivotal. We do need a we do need a backup quarterback battle. We do need somebody on the hot seat. We do need people competing for reps in the second and third and and in the fourth quarter of games this year because. Our captain, our leader is going to be gone after this season. 
mm-hmm. who's gonna who's gonna be who's gonna be taking that seat and that's something honestly i haven't even thought about for a while you know you're so comfortable with your quarterback and your leader you know who it's gonna be you really don't take the time to think about wow like who's gonna be our guy playing overseas in a new country, like in a brand? Like <laughs> Dustin, <laughs> like, Dustin got the storylines already, movie scripts yeah, ready to go. Hollywood, big, where are we at? That's big. <laughs> go ahead, VZ. You're gonna say something. I said we can't put a cap on these guys' ceilings, though. You kind of talked about earlier where you felt like this is the most we're gonna see of Tate. If we go just you know a year and a half ago at the end of the 2021 season with Jordan Travis battling Mackenzie Milton, no one thought he'd be a Heisman candidate as we sit today. If you go back to now. You can't put a cap on these guys right now. You got to let these guys grow and develop and see how they see how they learn and, and grow under Norvell. Because clearly, we've seen it with one guy. There's no reason it can't happen with the rest of the guys on this roster. Mm. Tony Tokars has done a great job in that room. You know, I give him a ton of credit coming in and getting this gig with Mike Norvell and these guys. You know, when they when they're needed, they do well. I'm, I'm just. I need a QB2 battle for fall camp. I just don't know if that's there yet. Mm-hmm. What else uh, defensively for you guys? Because we talked a ton about offense, but just to finish off the spring showcase, uh, you know, defensive line, what was it like low seeing Jared Verse? And, you know, it seemed like you got the new duo with Peyton. Peyton looked great. But Verse, man, I mean, it kind of got to the point where it was unfair off the edge a little bit. But, you he's, know, first uh, takeaways from that defense. He's, 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 um, he's a different kind of talent. Um, he wants to improve every day. And he wants the guy next to him to be better than him. And if he's not trying to be better than him, he's trying to push the guy to be better than him. He wants everybody to be like, oh, I know that guy or that guy. He said it in his interview. He wants to set a new standard. And that's something that we haven't had in a long time. Um, you know, you've had guys come in and there be them guys, like self guys. And it's not to knock. You know, we every every school goes through that phase. And our, on our defensive side of the ball, we got to a very self point. He wants to bring back us, we, the standard, our defense, that name, that brand. When you see FSU, you talk about defense, you know, um, and, that, and that was pretty, pretty cool. Um, 19, Edmund, he was nice to me. I like watching him rush off the edge. Um, he was really, really um, interesting to watch. Um, coach was see. nice, not allowing him. He, that, was not, that was not nice of Coach not giving him that sack. He had a sack there on <laughs> Rodemaker's throw, but. He, I like Gilbert. He, he's no. smooth. He is smooth. Um, also, 54 had a nice couple plays. Um, mm-hmm. Our freshman, uh, 45, he had a nice couple plays. Boots. Watching him on the edge. Um, mm-hmm. Who else? I'm going by numbers here. No, uh, 37, um, corner, played on the right side, home side, yep. sideline. He played smooth. Um, he blitzed Christian really White. well. And play, yeah, he played smooth. Um, Walk on. I'm, I'm I'm bad with names, but I'm great with numbers. Um, but he played <laughs> smooth. And then, um, running to the football, Lundy. You know, watching his body change. Yep. I got to see him up close and personal. His body transformation. Um, he is solid. <laughs> a lot slimmer, moving faster. Between him and four running the side on the sideline, it's gonna be pretty hard for people. You know what I'm saying? They got big hogs in front of them. Love it, moving well. Um, in front of him. Um, uh, 96, he's a young kid, um, uh, red shirt freshman, yep. nasty off the edge. He's only going to get bigger, stronger, and faster. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I was very, very impressed, man. Coach Fuller is a great defensive mind. Um, he, he, I told him, like, I, I love the interception. He was like, the love the what? He says, mission takeaway around here, son. My bad. <laughs> I apologize. But, get it right. You know, get right. He's, he, no, he's, he's setting, he's setting a tone. Um, and that's something that I love, man. Um, seeing Dent out there was nice. Um, 
it, it was nice seeing him in a new number, getting comfortable, getting reps, you know, um, getting to stick his nose in there. Um, it was it, it was cool, man. Just being down there again and seeing the intensity. That was it for me on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they're listening to the call, their communication, their understanding, the alignment, the assignments, and then attacking, not being scared to attack. Um, that was the exciting part for me. Um, no, just the experience. You can smell them hunting blood on the defensive side. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it was, man. It was. Yeah. I can really, really sense that. They wanted to play. They were waiting to, for contact. They were waiting to go compete. They were waiting for a crowd. I mean, they've been busting their behinds all spring for that moment. You can tell that defense wanted to prove something. The turnovers, the attacking the football. Um, they wanted to show what they had been working on all spring. And that did, they did it very well. They, they presented very well. Now, did they have you calling any plays on the defensive side of the ball? Or was that Zero. PJ? <laughs> Zero. That was all, all PJ. PJ. That was all P. Oh, PJ. That's awesome. Yeah, I I know one thing that stood out to me was Bishop Thomas on the outside. I was not expecting that a ton. I'll be honest with you. Doing Dino. a little bit of cross training. Yeah, and I kind of liked it. I kind of liked it. I would have never thought I would like it. But, you know, Florida State trying to build maybe some depth there on the outside, testing a few things. Why not? And what, do it on the on the side. I, I thought that was pretty unique, and I thought Ontavious Woody was pretty disruptive. Twenty, as right. I like twenty. Yep, at. I like him. Hey, mm-hmm. I like him. He's shaped like Jalen Ramsey. He got a yep. he got an attitude, and he don't mind putting his nose and finding out where you live. He does not mind. He'll put his <laughs> head in there, and I, and I think as he gets that confidence. He just needs to have a little whisper in his ear before the play. Like, hey, man, you know, like, you can be that guy. So just go be that guy. And I just want to go see him play. You know what I'm saying? I think he can – I really think he can set the tone on the defensive side of the ball in, in our defensive backfield. I think he can. I think he just has to take a little bit of push, and I think he can set the tone. He can shut down the side of the field if he if he gets the right mindset and starts playing with that chip on his shoulder. He has the size and speed, just a little attitude. He got the right number on. Mm-hmm. And he's been trending. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's been trending in the right direction all spring. Yeah. Really impressive. And I got to echo another one of your sentiments 54, Byron Turner Jr., Redshirt sophomore defensive end coming off the edge. He had a pretty impressive outing during the spring showcase. This is a guy who's been limited with injuries during his first two years at Florida State, finally getting back healthy for the entirety of the spring camp and showing some real growth ahead of a 2023 season. Now where you look at Derek McClendon is gone from this roster. I mean, they're really going to need um, Turner and as well as Gilbert Edmond to step up in that four man rotation behind Jared verse and Patrick Payton off the edge, but back-to-back sacks on Saturday for Byron Turner jr. On Brock Glenn, it looked like Glenn couldn't get rid of the ball quick enough. And I mean, man, just the explosion off the edge on the first one, I think the second one, he was able to pretty much take his offensive tackle into the backfield before getting off for another sack. So a nice outing for him ahead of, you know, I've said it a couple of times, but a really crucial fall camp. I thought all the addressers looked good, honestly. You know, there was a comment about Dante Anderson. He had a couple of nice moments in the game. We just talked about Edmund verse had some nice bursts in the few plays he had. The pass rush is looking scary. And we haven't even really talked about the defensive tackles because it's hard to show much with the defensive tackles in a spring game. They're going to show some in fall. I, I I can I can feel it, and that that front four is going to be scary for opposing offenses. Mm-hmm. To your credit, I don't think Fabian Lovett. He was dressed out on Saturday, but I'm not sure if he if he played a snap. 
There was a few guys, yeah. And some guy like Trey Benson who was out yeah, there Trey for Benson. a little bit, but no reason to Guys, kind of... you're not really – you don't need to throw out there and worry about them in a game where you can use a lot of time for younger guys and focus on growth, and, and that's what I think mm-hmm. Florida State did. Mm-hmm. To be oh, at yeah. that kind of point is a good is a good position to be Very in. nice, isn't it? Like that, a that's a very good spot to be in because you got starters out there playing all day. You that's a problem. <laughs> like that, that is though. If you're if you're in the spring and you're having starters play deep until the second half of this game, you're still you're still trying to figure out who's going to be that guy in in those positions. Mm-hmm. We were guy we we're having guys. Hey, we're gonna we know who plays in this position. I want to know who can back him up. I want to know where our depth is coming from. I want to know who we're gonna have to red shirt. Who's gonna transition well into summertime into fall camp. We're in a very good position. So, no fans, you should be happy. Don't worry about the scoreboard. Think about what's going on uh, around the scoreboard. Guys played well. Guys performed well. We came out injury. Not, no, no, no big injuries coming out of the game. Um, you know, and, and guys are moving forward into getting themselves in position to, you know, have a big season. We got some guys hit the portal. So, it's going to open up mm-hmm. other opportunities for other guys to make, to make plays. So, I mean, and, and freshman class coming in is going to be a good one. So, no fans be excited, man. Yeah, you mentioned the scoreboard. Don't have to worry about that too much like how it was in Gainesville. That is for damn sure. Um, let's uh, let's talk about – well, first, I, w- I want to get your – I have like one one last question about Spring Showcase. So, when I'm talking about these uniforms that got released too on Saturday. Los, what is – what is – like the what was the vibe on the sideline to you? Are these guys like communicative? Because we see that in practices, but I'm interested to see what the game type feeling. How was the what was it like leadership? Because we saw Brock Glenn his first day. He's over here picking up some of the new transfer offensive linemen like Jeremiah Byers after a tough workout. He's over here leading them, which was really great to see, and that's going to translate and build a lot of respect onto the field. But what was it like on on the sideline overall around the coaching staff, but maybe more the players? Um, it was awesome. Um, that like I said, before it's attention to detail, like they cared about what was going on in the game, like what was going on, who was subbing in, um, what was being called. You had guys not in the game, or what was the call, or what were y'all running? Even when me and PJ were calling, or Charlie was calling, they were paying attention to what was being called, so I can adjust to it. So I can, oh, okay, so I, I'm not in the game, so that they're gonna do this. So I'm moving here. Okay, this is the call. This is the like. Here's the signal. They're making sure that they're always paying attention. They're always ready because I truly believe that we are in a system where it's next man up. There's so many guys making plays. I can't be a guy that's not paying attention. I can't be a guy that's not, you know, not ready. So I got to stay ready. Um, that and I think that was the cool part about it. Everybody was engaged. Everybody was cheering each other on. Everybody was dapping each other up. Everybody was making sure that the guy in there. You know, their position segment was, you know, they were rooting for them to do well, to be successful, um, to have quite, to grade out well, um, to hit the big play. Um, and that's kind of what you wanted to feel and see. There's been times, I guarantee you, went back at Florida State and guys were more, like I said before, me. And, that, and it happens at every university. I'm just happy that we're back to us, we, um, that kind of environment. Everybody was locked in focused on the game, focused on their alignment, assignment, and technique, um, cheering the next man on. Um, and that was a great feel. It was a home feel, you know. It felt like mm-hmm. a game environment down there itself. I mentioned earlier that I thought Kalen Deloach and Kentron were two guys that stood out, you know, on, on their respective 
sides of the ball. And those are two guys that you've <clears throat> been able to see play before. And, you know, you're familiar with them at Florida State. Going into Saturday, who was a guy that you saw out there for maybe the first time who caught your eye? Um, or even the practice, for, too. For the, yeah. for the first time at practice? Maybe one of the transfers at any time. the freshman class. Night, Edmund, 19. Okay. Um, his physicality, um, and I, I say this loosely, when you when I eyeball test, what can he do? I'm for I, what what made Florida State choose me, and that's the question I always ask. Why Florida State chose him? Hmm, let me watch his physicality, his attention to detail. He's coachable. Yes, coach. I want to be coached. Yes, coach. I want to learn. Yes, coach. And when you have a guy like that, we had a guy like that. Tank Carradine. Tank was Tank was huge, super strong, wasn't super fast, but Tank learned moves, how to make his strength to his like to his advantage because he wasn't overly fast. Edmonds does that. Edmonds does that. He goes out. He okay. I, I worked this move. It didn't work. I'm gonna work it, but I'm gonna add this to it because I did it. Boom, boom. Okay, that worked. You know, he's he's a student. He's constantly wanting to learn. Um, that's why he he really he really he really surprised me. I watched him in practice. I want to watch him in the game. Offensively, it was Campbell. Um, Campbell, the way he runs the ball reminds me a lot of Devontae in and out of the cuts, um, ping pong ball, boom, 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 bouncing off stuff. The first man's gonna break, he's gonna break that tackle, and make a miss. He's he don't like being tackled by one man, and that that mentality is something I would feed, you know what I'm saying? Once you get him hot, let him stay hot until he goes cold, he'll let you know when he goes cold, he'll tap his helmet, get him out of there, let's run somebody else. And 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 he really really showed that he can carry a load if need be, because you had Trey not getting a lot of balls, you had nine with a green jersey on as well, so he kind of had to be the veteran, quote unquote, in the room getting the carries. Um, who else? I mean, six our tight end, a transfer tight end, South Carolina Bell. I liked him. Um, he blocked well on the edge for me, um, being a more athletic tight end. Yeah. Um, I see him being like a like, not as big as O'Leary. But flex him out, put him out there, and give him a mismatch. I don't see no safety covering him too long. No outside linebacker is going to cover him too long. Um, he played, he played well. I like, I like watching him. Um, I think, yeah, Norvell kept him kind of, yeah, do some basic you know, things on Saturday. Don't need to see yeah. everything. No reason to show that. But he played whatever well. it is because um, you don't know how long going to have some, a Jim Bell, but you got to just let him, let him do a few things. Defense flew to the ball. Helmets popped off. I mean, you had a running back pop somebody helmet off. Defense popped somebody's helmet off. Um, overall, it was what you wanted to see. For me, I can't speak for it, but for me, from going to practice and watching them practice and then going to the showcase, I'm satisfied. I'm ready for summer. Let's go get bigger, stronger, faster. Let's go see LSU in Orlando. Let's go play football. I'm confident that we're going to have a great season next year. You get everybody riled up, Lowe's, April. And everybody, everybody's riling up. But it, you got to understand, like, it's going to happen fast, man. Like, mm -hmm. it's April already. We just hit 23. The summer's mm -hmm. going to snap. Kids are going to be, like, going to camps. And then all of a sudden, we're going to be kicking off. And we're going to be in Orlando. We're going we're gonna to be in Orlando. Yep. I, I yep. feel confident that we're going to have a great season next year. We're going to compete for ACC championship. We're going to compete for a college football playoff spot. We, we're too much progress to slow it down. That's how college football works. If any people that's been around college football a long time, we all know it goes in cycles. Teams that's been on the top before, they find their way back to the top. 
our formula is working. Our guys are buying in. We're putting in the work. Our conference is set up for us to be successful. I'm sorry. That's the way it is. <laughs> we I think success one... and I was there at the right time. Think about it. Think about it. We hit success at the right time. In three years, Jimbo had a championship. In three years, there's no reason why Coach Norvell is building it, except he's building it the right way. He's doing it with guys with academically. You know what I mean? Academic, academic All-Americans are on. Scholars are on the wall inside the Moore Center. I've never seen that many football guys academically scholared. They're graduating almost two semesters early, a year early. And then they're continuously staying and playing and getting another, their second degrees. That's how you build a program. Coach Storm, bigger, stronger, faster, dedicated to the weight room, dedicated to eating right. That's how you build a program. Coach Norville's doing it the right way. Our time is coming. We're going to have a great season, a great summer. Um, bar injury this offseason, um, you know, keep these guys healthy. But I'm confident in what, what we've shown. I'm very confident. I'm not – there's there's no need to stress. Um, you know, I, uh, the guys in the portal that, that transferred, good luck to those guys. I know them personally. You know, Gantz from Polk County, he's from Kathleen. So, mm-hmm. you know, I hope him all the best. Um, I wish you luck. You're getting offers out there. So, you know, y'all pick him up. He's a great guy, great athlete. He can play in the secondary under the second level. Um, you know, but we just – we're hitting our strides, guys. I truly believe it. Thank y'all for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Hold up. Before we let you go, though, I got to get I gotta get these thoughts on these new uniforms, though, because you wore these. Don't drop the mic just yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the first reaction from a player. I don't think we – we saw Jamin Jameis tweeted something. He approved of them. But what do you think about them? You got to see them on the video board, too. And you – I don't know how close you were on the field, but Perfect. how are you feeling? They got them. Perfect. Perfect, though. This is the uniform you wear until – in the time it's not too big it's not too small it is the perfect tribal label and it's perfect at the right spots you know what i'm saying it's you we never wanted it huge it's never been huge on the jerseys it's always been the accent you know what i'm saying the subtleness of the tribal the marker on us so why have it too big on the shoulder i think they hit it right we love the white numbers we love the you know what i'm saying so I think they did it perfect, man. I would want to wear it. We got the double hip. You know what I'm saying? The logos on the double hips. That's what we wanted. Back in the day, we had that back. You know what I'm saying? So I just, you know, I like it, man. I like it. I think it's it's subtle. It's perfect. It's traditional. Like like we've always wanted. You know what I'm saying? I think it's it's perfect, man. It looks like 2013, and it looks like the 14 jerseys mixed into one. It's the perfect combination. D. Lou, I don't know if I, I don't know if we want to ask D. Lou about the fashion part of things, guys. Maybe I mean VZ's definitely <laughs> he's in that he's in that industry literally. He's Let's go to VZ first. Let's go to VZ first. Uh, I need to see it with all the patches on it first. Like I need to see it with the ACC patch and the scholar patches. It, I don't know. I feel like just missing one thing. That's it. That's it. I like it. I like that they simplified it a little bit. I I just want to see it all together. That's it. Yeah, I do like. I, it. I, I get to see without the visors too, because I know they can't wear those visors. Yeah, Everything yeah, looks yeah. better when you have those badass visors on there, but NCAA doesn't allow it. But I wanted to take the visors off with you, but the, the uniforms they look they look good. They look fine. I, tell you all I, I, I wish there could be a little bit more of a garnet and more of a gold. 
more of a it's more of a tan. You got it. It doesn't look that as light garnet. The main thing, like mm. the, the I, like I personally like the white jerseys that we that we that were coming off of. The others, you know, they definitely need to be improved upon. They cleaned it up. They're not as busy. It looks like Florida State again. They they did what they needed to do. I agree. I agree. I, I just want to see. The, I just want to see it all together. That's it. Out on the field. Yeah. I went. Yeah. I went into the locker room to change my collar shirt. I had my KWP collar shirt on. I wanted the regular T-shirt, and so uh, Kevin, it was Knowles was um the the white fifty-five. Mm-hmm. I couldn't recognize the other fifty-five, but I was like, he was like, hey, these are New Jersey's. I'm like, those are like, the, I mean, compared to how I see them change, you know, Vince went to Florida State. No, I'm saying he got the the end of Bobby, and then we changed um, halfway through with Jimbo, the 2013 to 14, and so seeing them change again, but the kind of mix from the old tradition into the new is what I like. You know, it's still simple. It still represents both. Um, I like, I, but my I do like the double hip patch because we haven't had it in a while. Like you know, that's that's one of my favorite. Yeah, I like it being a little bit more simple, and I mean. You know, it's Florida State. You don't really need some flamboyant uniform. The the logo kind of speaks for itself. And, you know, I, I like the redesign and even better, 12 different possible uniform combinations. So hopefully we'll get to see Mike Norvell continue to spice things up. You know, brought back the all whites last year on the road in Louisville. We'll, we'll see what it we'll see what they're able to dial up a little bit here in, in 2023. If, if there's anything new on the table, and, I think there I, is. I, think I like that is. they kept the tribal pattern. I know a lot of the older fans don't like it, but you have the history of the tribe behind you and that the fact that they went into designing it. I love it. I, I like that they kept yeah. it around in this redesign. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah, you know, If it's approved something. by the tribe, it's approved by me. <laughs> there Gotta go. be great. I don't think it's they'd approve you wearing all gray. Yeah. yeah. Oh, this, is, this, is, uh, <laughs> this is blue. This is actually blue. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> well, Los, let's let you out of here because we kept you, kept you on here for an hour. But as always, it's a pleasure. I can't wait to be hanging out with you this weekend at Kenny Shaw's camp, which is always a great time. But Can we talk about that real quick. Yeah, real quick. Yeah, uh, Dustin, me, Tommy, Los, Jameis, God, I mean, everybody. Everybody. Everybody's going to be there. Everybody it's just like it was a couple reunion. years ago. It is really a family reunion more for you guys, and it's just awesome for Kenny to invite us go. to this and also be a sponsor, yeah. Mole Game Day sponsor. No We're official sponsor, baby. If, if you're going to be in Orlando and you want your kid to have an exceptional experience with guys that care about each other, and when I say that, it's like we haven't seen each other in like years, We're like little kids, like reunited. And it's and it's and they're gonna get the best coaching. They're gonna get an awesome experience, man. Um, you just you just gotta be there. You gotta be there. Jones High School, um, in Orlando. Uh, the first session, I believe, for the little kids starts at nine to eleven, and the set, second session starts at one o'clock, one to three, I do believe. So if y'all are in town. Please, 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 y'all gotta come. Y'all gotta come through. It's gonna be amazing. A lot of coaches, um, guys are still playing in the league. Guys are still coaching the college ball. Um, former and current guys. It's gonna be a big, 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 big time. So please come out. We are looking forward to it for sure. Yeah. So Los, we'll see you just in a few days. Safe travels to you and everybody going down. But thank you for coming on here. Great insight as always. Miss you having on. 
miss having you on here. If people, if you want more of Lowe's, hit the like button. They will use that. Hit the like button if you want some more <laughs> of Lowe's. And we don't, I don't, we don't have to really talk him into coming on, but you know, he's a busy man. Yeah. He's doing his thing. So it's a privilege to have a little bit of time with him. And you know, you great, you give great insight and you keep it real. And you also make sure you ask some good questions over here to everybody on here. Don't let us get stale or anything. You got to keep us. I won't. I won't keep us on I our keep toes. You guys popping, and then I keep. No one's opinion is safe. About something. <laughs> hey, uh, we we just talked about Rodemaker. We had a we had a whole segment on Rodemaker. That's never been done on here. I can promise you that. VZ, you <laughs> if Rodemaker could lead a 2013 national championship, I didn't think that would happen tonight. I was not expecting it. But Los, that's what that's what the best part <laughs> is about you. You never know what's going to come. Ten, ten could have led us to the national championship. <laughs> Sean McGuire, <laughs> Max, you know you we'll, we'll, it, we'll have a whole show. We'll have a whole show for that this off season. We'll have a whole one lows. We'll get on maybe another guy too. Let me ask you a question, Nate. Um, <laughs> I appreciate you guys for having me, man. It's always love. It's always it's always a pleasure, man. Hey, VZ, next time you get some new dunks, man, send me some pictures, man. I know you got your shoe game. I know it's heating up. <laughs> I'll I'll touch you more. All All right. Hey, I appreciate you guys for having me. You guys have a good night. Thanks, Los. Los, Los. y'all be good. Always a great time. Oops, can't even see me. Always a great time with Los. Never, never, never gets old. Never does get old. Love that man. He does a lot for us, and uh, he's doing a great job too with training some of the kids around town. So, absolutely love that man. Never, never a dull moment around Los. Yeah. And there's nothing like getting a perspective from a guy who's actually done it, you know, gone through the life, won a national championship at Florida State. I mean, he, he understands it down to the nitty gritty. So, I mean, just to be able to get that perspective from him, I think it really just it takes everything to another level for us. Well, let's start jumping through some things here, guys, because we are already an hour in, and there's a good amount of stuff to go through. So we're going to run through these smoothly. There might things. be some next couple of podcasts that we can go through and dive into a few more things that listed on this list, but we've got quite a bit to go over. So let's start. Let's start kicking some of this. Let's let's start off with Landon Thomas. We got to go there first. We'll go to the other commitments as well. This won't be chronological. We're going to go Landon Thomas, oh, Florida man. State, Georgia, tied in number one. Tight end in the country, top 25 player in the 2024 class per 247 sports rankings. Former FSU commit as well, but Chris Thomason gets his guy Thompson. for next year. I know, Thompson. Damn it, Thompson. But, yeah, boom. Flip him. <laughs> Kirby Smart. Stuff him into a locker is what it is. But, man, this 2024 class as a whole is huge. But let's specifically talk about Landon Thomas, D. Lou. Big, big Monday for Florida State. Huge moves uh, on the recruiting trail for FSU, pulling off the flip of five-star tight end Landon Thomas, who, like Logan noted, had previously been committed to the back-to-back national champions, Georgia Bulldogs. Also a guy who is from the state of Georgia, you know, only up there in Colquitt County, so, I mean, not too far from Tallahassee. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy who was in the Peach State, who was committed to Georgia, who was someone that Georgia wanted. And Florida State went right in there and stole them from under their nose and pulled off this massive flip. I believe um, compositely on 247, Thomas, if he goes through this process, ends up signing with Florida State in December. He would be the highest um, ranked player that Mike Norvell has ever landed so far um, in his tenure at Florida State. So, I mean, we'll see how this continues to play out. But, man, 
absolutely huge for FSU, building some serious momentum here in the spring. Thomas, like you said, Logan, the number one tight end in that 2024 class and a guy who could potentially come in and make an impact as soon as his true freshman year. I mean, this is a guy who's been extremely productive at the high school level, contributing all over the field um, during his prep career. And I mean, really, you know, kind of a unique case for Florida State, being someone that grew up a fan of FSU, who committed to Florida State in this Tribe 24 class very early on back in 2021. Um, Florida State got off to that 0-4 start in the 2021 season, everyone remembers. And then Landon Thomas actually ended up decommitting shortly after that in October of that year. But, I mean, to get him back into the fold, and, you know, obviously you've got to believe a guy like Camp Davis, who was committed during that time when Thomas was, has been going after him throughout this whole time and especially turned up the heat over the last couple of months, along with Luke Cromanhawk, who we've talked about, has really developed into a bell cow for this 2024 class. So I think just with Florida State continuing to make this, continuing to make Thomas a priority, showing that progress on the field, having commitments come after him just as much as coaches. I mean, all of those efforts really paid off here, along with Thomas growing up a fan of Florida State. So, I mean, to get him in, now be back up to a top five class in the country. And, I mean, man, it looks like more good news could be coming down the pipe here in the next couple of weeks, next couple of months before they on the recruiting trail. They're making a lot of traction with top players in the country on both sides of the ball. And quickly filling up here, we'll get to these blue-chip wide receivers. But right now, um, approaching the end of April, I think you've really got to like where Florida State sits on the recruiting trail, not only with what they have in the fold, but like I said, with what they have coming up because they're primed for a strong summer as well. If this commitment sticks – I'm just considering this payback for Isaac Nauta, who was committed to Florida State for a long time and then flipped to Georgia. That's a while ago. Yeah, that's the last time I cared about recruiting, to be honest with you. Um, If this sticks, it's just payback for that. That's how I'm seeing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Georgia's a tight end factory, so to go in there and grab him back into the fold for Florida State is gigantic. And like you were just saying, Dustin, two wide receiver commits. I think this says a lot about the future of the quarterback position with Luke Cromanhawk, who we had on our show last month. These guys believe in Luke. These guys like Luke. And, you know, he's doing a good job recruiting, but you can do that and have all the talk. But I think they look at Luke and they think, wow, I think this guy can, that guy can help score me some touchdowns. But yeah, Florida State also with Landon Thomas, Busy week, man. I mean, even before the spring game, uh, these happen. And then on the spring game, but B.J. Gibson, along with LeWayne McCoy, uh, LeWayne McCoy specifically from Miami, and then B.J. Gibson, I think a lot of guys, or at least everybody on Twitter, got to see some of his highlights, one-handed grabs, but uh, from Georgia. They're building up this offense, and I think j- – just talk about those two, D. Lou, and then I got another question after that. Yeah, I would say just first off, I mean, man, the number of blue-chip wide receivers that have already jumped into the fold for Florida State, you're talking about 11 verbal commitments so far. Four of these guys are four-star wide receivers. You've got B.J. Gibson, um, you've got LeWayne McCoy, and then we've also got T.J. Abrams, who committed back in January, along with Camden Fryer, the legacy four-star commitment, and here the Spirit Lum in the fold as well. So, I mean, that's four really quality guys. And Florida State, I mean, they might not be done. There's still some other names to know on the board. James Madison supposed to be coming for an official visit in the summer. Um, Joshua Trader was on campus for an unofficial visit, a five-star prospect that Florida State has been pushing for us. I mean, they might not be done at that wide receiver position. But, yeah, just talking about Luane McCoy first, specifically, like you said, a guy from down there in South Florida chose FSU over Miami. And, I mean, this is an interesting one because – 
lot of whispers had been kind of going in Miami's favor. Then he showed up for an unofficial visit on Thursday for Florida State's final practice prior to the spring showcase, um, walked out of the moor and committed to Florida State um, as, as he was wrapping up that visit and preparing to, to head home. So a big win for FSU, especially over rival Miami. And you know, you're talking about a guy who averaged nearly 25 yards per catch as a junior for Miami Central, a powerhouse down there in South Florida that ended up winning a uh, state championship last season. And McCoy, Logan, I don't know if we can show the clip on here, but just someone with freakish ability to go up and get the football. I mean, an absolutely crazy one-handed catch at, at a recent seven-on-seven tournament that uh, had some people calling it the best catch they'd ever filmed, the best catch they'd ever seen in their life. I mean, you're, you're bringing a real playmaker in at wide receiver in Luane McCoy. And then B.J. Gibson out of the state of Georgia, another guy from the Peach State. He was committed to Tennessee before decommitting back in January, but FSU wins this one out over the Volunteers um, as well as Stanford and Auburn, who he recently visited. He, he said on Saturday that he is planning on taking an official to Stanford, but you know he's firmly committed to Florida State at this time, uh, like a, another blue-chip wide receiver, which I've said a couple times, but someone who is going to be a two-sport athlete for Florida State, expected to play football and baseball at the next level. So that's now three guys in that 2024 class who are going to be two-sport athletes, Cam Davis, Camden Fryer also going to be playing football and baseball at Florida State. And then we'll see T.J. Abrams might run track. So, I mean, FSU bringing in guys that can contribute in a variety of facets for the athletic programs. But, I mean, man, just three really quality prospects in a short span of time for Florida State to continue bulking up that 2024 class. And, you know, there's still some really good offensive and defensive linemen on the board who Florida State's in very good standing for. But right now, I mean, really building out those skill positions and, with the four wide receivers, you know, having Cam Davis, having Luke Cromanhawk, having Landon Thomas, a very good start for FSU on offense in, in that cycle. Yeah, this is nasty from McCoy. It's a disgusting catch. <laughs> Filthy. Silly. I mean, silliness. Yeah. I just love – you just got to watch the feet too, man. He takes care of the feet. I think he got both in. Yeah, and argue. Arby, one of the biggest wins of the weekend, wasn't even commitments, but locking down Cromenhawk and Cam Davis, who announced they're not going to be – that they're shutting down their recruitments. Mm-hmm. Especially for the Penn State visit. I think that was just as big as anything. And did we say that both those guys are from the state of Georgia as well? Uh, we're, we're starting to see a common theme here, Florida State, going into the Peach State to pluck some talent right from the Bulldogs. I mean, let's look at it. Like I said, 11 verbal commitments – now a top five class in the country. Six of these guys are from Florida. The other five are all from Georgia. So, I mean, you're really seeing Florida State kind of focus on the recruiting stronghold here, not only in the Sunshine State, but just across, you know, really the state line of the Peach State, putting a really big focus on keeping these talented guys close to home, close to Tallahassee. And, you know, compared to last year, Florida State, they landed 11 prospects in the state of Florida, but only one out of Georgia. So you're really starting to see that emphasis pay off and, a guy like Alex Atkins has been huge for Florida State up there. Yeah, those two locking it down, massive. And I think we all, you know, having to be having us have a good little relationship with Luke and having him on the show, you can get the feel. Yeah, this was a guy that would want to lock down things early. And I was like, well, if Luke's doing it, wouldn't be shocked to see Cam do it as well. But just to have that going into the spring game where you know you're going to put a lot of recruiting efforts for both those guys being bell cows to talk to some of these 
players coming in from across the country to show this is why we're locked. This is what we believe in with Mike Ravel. I mean, you know, it, it just translates a ton, but uh, yep. there's just different levels to see, watch where Mike Novell is going into Georgia right now and doing some things against Kirby. I mean, and to your point, just, go ahead. I was just going to say, you just see growth in a lot of different areas. I was just saying to your point uh, about having Croman Hawk and Davis lock it down and really show how committed they are to Florida State during that weekend. B.J. Gibson, who committed after the spring showcase, and Landon Thomas, who committed on Monday, were both there um, during that time period when both those guys chose to do that, along with a ton of other guys. Um, you know, someone like Jason Zandamella, a four-star offensive lineman who's one of Florida State's top targets on the board. Um, you had John Daniels there. As well. So, I mean, just having all these prospects in there, seeing this from Florida State's top commits, I think it, I think it says a lot. Let's jump into anything recruiting-wise. I know, you know, I'm just trying to get through some things, so then this isn't a three-hour show. Those are the big ones. Okay, because I know we'll have next week's show too, which we'll add on quite a bit. But uh, let's talk about some transfer portal stuff, some attrition happening. Let's start off with Lowe's kind of bringing up Brendan Gant, who I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, entering the transfer portal, veteran guy, was a kind of a pivotal depth piece last year. And I thought when, at, when added into the game, had to go in and was relied on, I thought he played pretty damn well and also was huge in special teams. But one player that had some position changes throughout his career, decided to stick with Florida State was focused. I just can't talk highly enough about Brendan Gann. There's a reason why he's getting a ton of opportunities elsewhere, but pulling for him. But along with Brendan Gann entering the transfer portal, Stephen Dix and Ontavius Woody, redshirt freshman defensive tackle, which is utterly disappointing to me. Uh, Very high on Woody. Um, I guess you could say had the position change to deal with, yada, 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 but I specifically really liked him at defensive tackle. I don't know if that had anything to do with it here if he wanted to go back to offensive line, but um, I, I I thought a lot uh, – I thought he – out of that defensive tackle room, I thought he had has the strongest potential, but there's other things that he had to work on and talked about it numerous times on here. There was things that he would have to do. And let's just be honest, he had to he had to be willing to be coached. He had to be willing to be coached hard. That's just the kind of player he was. It just, you know, it just thinks he, he's not going to be – give himself a chance here at Florida state, but um, yeah, Gant, Dix, Woody, um, Stephen Dix too. I mean, you talk about Dix. He's a guy that didn't get to see the field last year because of injury. His freshman year was his best year statistically, but now Florida state's starting to grow thin here at the linebacker position. And I'm seeing arguments of, no, you don't need to go after a linebacker in the portal. Yes, you do. I'm on the pro. Yeah, you need to add some experience in this room. In my opinion, just if you deal with an injury or two, you're, you're relying on a lot of guys with not game time experience. It's just straight up. That's how it is. But anyways, these three guys are in the transfer portal. Thoughts on that, gentlemen? Yeah, I guess I'll just start off with Brendan Gann. I think this could end up being a really underrated loss for Florida State because – we talked about it you know, prior to the spring and this offseason, but FSU was primed to bring back their top four linebackers from last season. Um, Tatum, Tatum Bethune, DeLoach, DJ Lundy, and Brendan Gant made up that unit. I mean, just it was going to be Florida State's most experienced linebacker unit in years. And it, it's still a lot of experience there. But just to lose someone like Brendan Gant, who's been with the program, he was going into his fifth year, like Logan said, made the position change and really kind of 
retooled himself a little bit to to make that move from safety safety to linebacker and you know stick with Florida State in a day and age where we're seeing guys hit the transfer portal like like flies. I mean that thing's already started to fill up again with the spring portal window opening up on Saturday. I mean already hundreds of players back in the portal. But I mean this was a guy who stuck with FSU despite signing under former head coach Willie Taggart, stayed through the transition, stayed through the tough times and really, in my opinion, turned turned around his career in Tallahassee and how people will think about Brendan Gannett and, and a Florida State uniform. Like you said, pivotal on special teams and being co-special teams player of the year last year, along with Wyatt Rector. And I think you've just got to be, you know, he, he showed a lot during his time at Florida State and definitely going to be someone who's coveted on that transfer market and going to end up <clears throat> in a good landing spot. And, you know, Stephen Dix Jr. just kind of passed up here because of the injuries, unfortunately, it gave a guy like Omar Graham Jr. some time to cement himself last fall, and it's really ramped it up a notch this spring, showed some impressive signs. So I think that was just kind of, you know, a sign of guys moving up the depth chart. And DeMarco Ward, true freshman early enrollee, has showed some really impressive signs during the spring as well. So, I mean, yeah, you know, entering, I think, two years left uh, of college eligibility for him. So probably somewhere, someone that's going to go look for more consistent playing time elsewhere an established role and as for Woody I mean yeah that one's a little bit I don't want to say a shocker but just a little bit of a surprise I didn't think he'd be the one necessarily to leave in that defensive tackle room you know he just switched over to the defensive side of the ball during the 2022 regular season after coming into Florida State as an offensive lineman and like you said Logan showed some showed some real potential um very physical at the point of attack I mean you're, you're not you don't have to worry about physicality or violence when it comes to Woody. It was more about trying to get him to slow down the motor at times and, you know, refining that technique as a defensive lineman, which, you know, he was probably going to do under coach, under coach um, Odell, if he, if he would have stuck it out for a couple more years, we've seen how guys have been produced in and out of that room during his time at Florida state. But like I said, I mean, it's a transfer portal day and age. Sometimes when guys don't want to play, it's time to look elsewhere for an opportunity and, you know, it's unfortunate that that had to happen with Woody, but at the same time, I mean, FSU, I think there's still nine scholarship defensive tackles remaining. That's an extremely deep room with a ton of guys in it. So it's hard to fault someone who, who wants to go play maybe earlier in their career because it's going to be – it would have been an uphill battle for Woody to get playing time again at Florida State in 2023. Yeah, I don't think the Woody loss hurts at all for this season, but definitely hurts for the future going forward in that room. Losing two linebackers, especially two experienced ones, is tough. Um, I think we were all kind of expecting at least one to go. Just there, There's a lot of veteran talent in that, in that room. You're only playing two guys at a time, really. Um, there just wasn't enough spots. We expected one to go. I think Stephen Dix Jr. made a lot of sense. Seeing mm-hmm. Gant go kind of sucks. Um, mm-hmm. We've already mentioned it a couple of times, just how impactful he was on special teams alone. Um, that's going to be tough to replicate. Really, really tough to replicate. We know Norvell places an emphasis on that, that's going to be that's gonna be hard for them to replicate. And hopefully an Omar Graham can step up and be that or a DeMarco Ward or one of these freshmen. I agree, Logan. I think they got to go out and get, get a guy in the room that just has some experience playing at a, at a D1 level. Yeah, because if one of those get injured, I mean, we didn't see Tatum Bethune at, this, at the spring showcase, but let's say someone gets injured, God forbid, two, you know, this is a physical unit that you're, you're, you're playing at, a linebacker, something like that. You know, you're relying heavily on Omar Graham Jr. And I, I, we all, I think, you know, we, we say, you see the signs, Dustin. We saw it 
really in bowl game prep too, which was huge for some of the, a lot of the younger guys in a three deep, but specifically, yeah, Omar, he, he's going to be relied on quite heavily. And I, you know, I think they believe in them, but I, you know, Ward still needs to be developed and also add size. In my opinion, I think Adam Fuller told us for that sure. after the, after the showcase, like you got to allow some guys to develop like Omar Graham Jr. But luckily you, you feel like you're pretty comfortable after year one with him redshirting to go ahead and put him out there. And he got a little bit of playing time in 2022, but I think you do need to find someone with some experience to add in that room. And Steven Dix was probably the number one guy that I thought would have the, the highest potential to enter that transfer portal and find, uh, find a, an opportunity better for him to see more playing time. It's just, that's how, you weren't going to see much if you're Steven Dix. You know, Omar, that's fine. Younger player going into it, but Steven Dix has been around this program for a while. I thought he looked pretty smooth, looked fine in the spring showcase too. So go get an opportunity. And that's what these guys are doing. I think Brendan Gant also should be in that same boat. I give a lot of respect to that guy who stuck around and dealt with position changes and got thrown into some fires and, you know, stuck around with this program and played well. I thought he played really well. He was one of Florida State's best sub guys going into the games this uh, last season. So wishing him all the best, all these guys. And, you know, for what he, it is, what it is, it, it's, it's, it stinks. I think it's more than, you know, playing time. That's just not what's going to happen right away for him. Like you were saying, Dustin, this room is stacked. There's just other things that, you know, mental, mental stuff. And I don't know if things, I thought things were getting better on that side, but you know, we don't know what happens behind closed doors. So we don't know it all sometimes, which is a shocker. I know, but yeah, it's, it's just disappointing part of things. And that's just mm -hmm. how it goes. And now with the linebackers, like you guys said, could potentially look to the NCAA transfer portal for help here after losing two guys. And I really think the question that Florida State's coaching staff needs to figure out is do they think Omar Graham Jr. can play on a national championship contender? Because that's essentially what Florida State wants to be as you move into this 2023 season. Like I said, you've already you had four, now you've got three established guys, and you're trying to see if Omar Graham can step up and be that fourth member of the rotation, but I think you've got to ask, you know, a redshirt freshman who hasn't seen much game experience to this point, but has flashed in practice. Is he ready to take that step and be a contributor in a rotation that, like I said, is competing for an AC championship, a playoff spot, a national championship. That's what's on Florida state's mind in 2023. It's no longer about developing. It's about going out and getting it. So, I mean, we're going to see, I'm, I'm sure they're evaluating all options, but then also when you think about the transfer portal route, You've got to think that Florida State has three established linebackers that have already been at least, you know, Bethune only been here for one year, but Deloach and Lundy have both been here for multiple years. And those guys have established their roles. Um, I don't think you're bringing in someone from the transfer portal that's going to unseat Tatum Bethune or Kalen Deloach from a starting job. So then again, you might have to rethink your options because not every player in the transfer portal is going to want to come to a spot where they're going to have to compete for a starting job or compete to get into the rotation. So, I mean, there's just a lot of factors when it goes into something like this. And deal, you know, a bit off the top of your head, what's the scholarship count looking right now? Cause I know they were over there for a little bit, but how's it looking now with three guys out? And I mean, technically four with McClendon moving on. So I think right now you're in, you're in the range of that 85. It, it should be only one or two off. Well, you're going to have, OL is going to have two to three. You know, that, that shouldn't – we sh I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. I mean, there's still meetings going on. But, yeah, OL I think is going to take a two to three – two to three, trim it down a little bit more, in my opinion. There's just too many bodies, too many bodies. And I, I think there's also some guys, too, that 
should see playing time. That just isn't going to happen with some of the transfers coming in. That's just the case. Um, I don't want to name some names or whatever. That might be yada, yada, yada. But if you're in our Discord, you know, we, we try to give some good insights on that. But Yeah, uh, I think I think there are some feasible names that could end up entering the transfer portal, exploring their options elsewhere. But, I mean, we're just going to have to see it play out because I don't think Florida State is necessarily, you know, trying to get a bunch of people to transfer when they're not too far off this 85-man limit. You know, there's not going to be – I would imagine – they're not going to add like five guys during this spring transfer portal window. They're looking for a guy, two guys, maybe three max. Because when you look at the roster, I mean, where where do you guys think Florida State necessarily needs help coming out of the spring? Now you're a little bit thin at linebacker. I think you could argue to explore the transfer portal. I mean, it's not even an argument. You need to look at the transfer portal for potential help off the edge with McClendon moving on some maybe worries and the experience that you're lacking now behind Jared Verse and Patrick Payton. And I mean, if one of those guys were going to go down, you're relying on someone. I mean, Gilbert Edmond does have legitimate SEC experience, but someone like Byron Turner is another guy like Omar Graham Jr. where we're seeing those flashes in practice, but is it going to elevate when it comes to game time in 2023? I mean, that's something that we're going to find out in the moment. And then I think the same thing, you know, you can argue that Florida State should maybe see if there's any safeties in the portal that, that would fit what they're trying to do. So, I mean, those are really – when I'm thinking about Florida State's roster right now, those are the three position groups where I think feasibly there could be an addition. Yeah, you know it. I was about to say those three and then maybe cornerback, but I think like I think you like what you have there. Yeah, and the, I mean, back. there's just so many guys in that cornerback yeah. room. Yeah, I, I could just – I could maybe see them exploring just a veteran option there, but I, I agree. I think safety and linebacker especially – and then if, there, if there's a quality edge in the portal that wants to be a rotational piece, you, you bring them in. But definitely safety linebacker. It's a, it's a one thing about Florida State, what Minerval has been able to do along with his assistant coaches, it be, is be successful in the transfer portal. So we're being you know, pretty relaxed with this conversation. But, you know, Florida State, if they're going to make a run here, they've got to make some moves a couple more before this 2023 season gets kicked off. Um but yeah, definitely starting to see that. And we'll see some more attrition very soon. Yeah. Uh, let's jo- anything else football wise, guys? Because there is a handful of things that we do need to go over on the basketball side. Like I said, this was a jam packed episode because we didn't have our instant reaction to the spring game. And, you know, Los always kills it with his, with his goodies. But anything football wise that we are missing? There's, there's, there's probably like five other things, but this week those had to be kind of cut off. The fat had to be cut off. We had to go for the, best part of the stake i think we're good i think we're set let's jump into some basketball to finish off this show this week vz this was a busy one between new staff hires commitments attrition i will argue everything that's happened in last week has been good we've made some progress i like hearing Uh, that i'm not in the depressed state i was last week when i wanted to beat my head against the wall behind me um (laughs) Where, where, where should we start? Should we start with the attrition and then work our way back? Yeah, let, yeah. let's go backwards. Let's go with Naheem McLeod entering the transfer portal. Thank God, man. <laughs> I just I, – it needed to happen. That there, This is a true story. He enters the transfer portal today, and I'm talking with my mom, and I go, hey, mom, our worst, our worst player just entered the portal finally. And she goes, oh, the tall, clueless guy? Was, oh that's a true story. It's, he was he was not good. It, it needed to happen. He played more than he should have. It's crazy how in eight months we were excited about him getting that extra eligibility that I reported before the season. 
eight months later, we're like, oh my god, took him long enough. It's it, did it he do something it. to you? No, I, I I don't know if I've ever had an actual conversation with him. Um, it just it just needed to happen. It, it was one of those guys. He wasn't a good culture fit. He wasn't a good scheme fit for what they want to do now with switching everything. He's just he's got good feet for someone that's seven four, but they they need someone quicker, and they need someone smarter and better, and just not Nehemiah Cloud. They needed that. And the thing with Naheem is he just never really turned into into that dominant defender that you would think someone that's that seven foot four would be. I mean, only averaged zero point eight blocks per game last year, which you know when you're seven foot four, not the greatest numbers, and also hasn't been able to stay healthy through majority of his time at Florida State. I think it was last year that he suffered the broken hand. Before yeah. that, there were some eligibility issues, and he started his career off. And Juco, I remember it's been a couple of years now whenever Florida State was putting together that class with Nahima Cloud and Matthew Cleveland and all those high-profile high recruits. I remember, Logan, was it you that made that hype video on our Twitter? I mean, there was so much hype behind this class and, you know, just to see what they've done since. It's pretty, pretty disappointing for Florida State. For Austin, correct me if I'm wrong, but a class that came in top 10, even better. I think it was top three off the top. Yeah. They may end up being top five, but I think after the early signing period, they were top three. Um, crazy amount of talent. Matthew, or at least on paper, Matthew Cleveland was a five-star, gone. Jalen Worley was a borderline five-star, depending on where you looked. It hasn't lived up to the hype, but it looks like he's sticking around for another season in Tallahassee so far. We'll see what ends up happening. John Butler, one and done, unexplainably. And then Nahima Cloud had, like, Two good moments in 30-something games. He had the the seven offensive rebounds against Duke last season at home in Tallahassee in that upset win. And then just out of nowhere against Syracuse this season, he had 16, 8, and 3. I think 13 came in the first half. Other than that, I just (laughs) can't move on fast enough. (laughs) Exactly. Yep, that's tough. But, but you gotta have you gotta have attrition. This is what's going on. But outside of Nahima Cloud, which way do you want to go now? Basketball commits and then to the new staff hire? Probably. Yes. Well, oh. uh, go ahead. Should we should we talk about the hire first? I was gonna say I was gonna say do Barsha Gonzaga and then yeah. you can go into the hire and then we can Yes. Move. So so it'd been rumored since I'll say early last week, maybe the end of the week before that RJ Barsh was leaving for a new job. And I'd even heard that from a recruit actually that they may be needing a new coach. Um, did some digging around and find out it was going to be R.J. Barsh going back to his, I believe, his home state of Washington. I know he spent some time at Tacoma High School or at a Tacoma High School. Um, I, I could not blame the guy whatsoever. I get he's only been in Tallahassee one season, but you get a chance to go back home, quote-unquote, to one of the premier programs in the country. You get more job security because who knows yeah. what's going to happen with Florida State and this staff going forward if they have another season like last year. You get more job security at a premier program, go do it. Uh, I do not blame him one bit. It's a great fit for him. Uh, I, I really wish the best for him, but at the same time, I think Florida State kind of upgraded a little bit. We'll get to that in a second. Um, I'm sad to see Barsh go. I think he's a really, really talented coach. He's very highly regarded in, in coaching circles, but I can't blame him. I really can't. Yeah, I think the biggest thing probably was the job security because you're really coming into this 2023-2024 season with, you know, really only thinking about that year. Whereas when you go to Gonzaga, 
you know, I know his name's Mark Few, but he's going to be there for many more years. So I think Barsh really parlayed this well into a spot where he can continue to build his young coaching career with a team that's going to be, if not the NCAA, if not competing for national championships every every year in the NCAA tournament every year. Yes, and just to – I know some people don't really follow college basketball. Since 2016, Gonzaga's been a one seed four times. I get they haven't won a championship. They haven't, they've gotten to the, to the championship game a couple times and just haven't gotten – that final win but mm-hmm. this is one of the premier programs in college basketball they're consistently putting guys in the pros they're consistently winning games i get they're in a lesser conference but they're still one of the best programs in college basketball you, you can't blame a guy for doing that for a program that's been good for almost a decade now and honestly austin you just taught me that gonzaga was in washington i, I didn't really know where where it was <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah they're in spokane for some reason i imagined arizona I no, they're in, they're in Spokane, Washington. Yeah, I know. I think everybody's like that, Gonzaga. You just like kind of imagine it on your own. Everybody's got their own guesses. I was thinking Northeast somewhere. We're all over the place. Did not know that's where Gonzaga well, I mean, is. If you at least follow college basketball a little bit, you know they're in the West Coast Conference, so you could have made a guess somewhere around there. Just, you know, the California, Oregon, Washington region. Northeast would have been a bad guess. Arizona. Yeah, guess. like that's that's fair. That's, that's reasonable. <laughs> So now, so now get getting to getting now where are we at with this? We are talking about so the, the replacement for Barsh is Georgetown assistant Kevin Nickelberry. Um, a name you'll hear in a couple seconds as we talk about someone else. Very experienced coach before Georgetown. He he replaced Will Wade at LSU as an interim coach there, did a great job there as an assistant, was a head coach at Howard, was a head coach somewhere else. I forgot it off the top of my head. He's been an assistant at Clemson. He's been just about everywhere. Very highly regarded recruiter. Kind of has a reputation to just bounce around a lot, but he's a very, very well-respected assistant. Um, like I said, I think Florida State kind of upgraded a little bit, especially on the recruiting level. Um, we'll see how much of an impact he can make in the season because that may be all he gets in Tallahassee. Dropbacks. Um, something like that. It's from LSU. Um, which it, I – I'm not con- convicted ever- anyone of anything, but how he could be – he was the recruiting coordinator at LSU under Will Wade. <laughs> how Will Wade gets caught up <laughs> and Nickelberry hasn't, I don't know. I'm not complaining. I think he's very talented. A um, couple things to keep an eye on. He was obviously an assistant at Georgetown with a guy that they're heavily recruiting in the transfer portal, Primo Spears. Uh, they're hosting him on a visit April 27th. He's visiting Kansas just before on the 25th, and then he's announcing on the 29th, so Florida State gets that last visit if he doesn't end up, you know, canceling like Aaron Estrada did. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Um, but that's going to be important. You already have a relationship there, even though Georgetown fans have kind of said him and Spears don't exactly have the great relationship. We'll see if that ends up happening. But another one to keep an eye on is Marvel Allen, who's signed to Georgetown, but if he asks out of his NLI, apparently he apparently uh, Bear was the lead recruiter on him. Was recruited him at LSU, and he was at LSU lean for a long time, and then ended up signing to Georgetown. Um, that's what I'm keeping on, especially because he's in the neighborhood. He goes to Montford Academy, so obviously familiar Florida spot, State, yeah. Very familiar. Florida State's got a couple players from there, like Scotty Barnes. Um, that, that's definitely one I'm keeping an eye on moving forward. And Kamaji. And Kamaji. Sweet. Is it weird that I got that fact in my head somehow? I, I, I was going to say it. I just, you know, Scott is a great example. Um, <laughs> and 
then I guess moving to the commits, another Nickelberry, mm-hmm. they get Josh Nickelberry, for a guard from LaSalle, 40% three-point shooter. Doesn't move the needle for you a ton, but it gives something Florida State didn't have last year, and that's three-point shooting off the bench. You know, they had Chandler Jackson who shot 37% from three on one shot per game. Then the next closest was Bob Miller at 25%. That was your three-point shooting off the bench last season. I feel like worst case with Nickelberry, he's playing 10 to 14 minutes a game, gives you a couple threes a game. And, you know, Florida State needs that. And I think on a smaller note, he was the captain of LaSalle's team last year. Should give you some leadership, which Florida State definitely needed. We've talked about that a lot this offseason. And then kind of the surprise one, Jameer Watkins, forward from VCU. Not the forward from VCU everyone was kind of expecting, um, but a good, versatile defensive player. Averaged almost two steals and blocks per game last season. Capable of hitting the three at 34%, but just a long, rangy athlete that can defend multiple positions. Again, something Florida State desperately needed. Um, it, it, it may not look like huge moves because you're, you're looking at going, oh, you're losing Matthew Cleveland. Oh, you're losing Caleb Mills. Guys that combined to average off the top of my head, I think 28 points per game last year. And you're placing them with guys that averaged, you know, 18 points per game at in the Atlantic 10 conference. I get it's, it's a little bit different, but these are going to be moves that help in the fringes, build up the depth at the bottom of the roster. And then if you land a guy like Primo Spears, now that roster is looking a lot better moving forward for next season, but we'll see what ends up happening. I guess one thing that's blowing my mind is Josh Nickelberry and Kevin Nickelberry have the same last name. Or are they related? Apparently, I, I believe they're uncle and nephew. I believe. Wait, so you don't know? I've, I've seen it. Uh, I'm waiting for it to be confirmed, but they are related in some fashion. <laughs> These are the things we need to know on here, the spear. This is what we need to know. <laughs> it's been a busy weekend. Of course, like all this news came out in the 30 seconds I, or in, in like the three hours I was unavailable. Um, we'd had a lot of drafts ready. I didn't have anything ready for walk-ins. I was a little unprepared for that one. Um, it kind of visited unannounced for the most part. We, we kind of knew Nickelberry was coming in. It was, supposed to be, it was supposed to be him, and then maybe Aaron Estrada shows up, and then Jameer Watkins shows up and commits. Don't expect the other VCU forward, by the way. I'll just leave that. Yeah, it seems, it seems like that one went by the wayside. But either way, a couple good pickups for Florida State, like you said, to kind of fill in some of the gaps from last year. It seems like Nickelberry can really help out on the offensive side of the ball, and Watkins is going to be very versatile for Florida State defensively and to go ahead and fill out your staff, get Kevin Nickelberry in the fold, someone who it seems like Leonard Hamilton is very familiar with through the coaching circles. And like you said, someone who's highly thought of um, a recruiter who can help get some talent to Tallahassee, which is needed um, at, at this point, especially with how everything's going in the transfer portal. So we'll see how it goes here from Florida state, but I think a good, a good foundation so far at the end of April, you know, obviously FSU's not done and the transfer portal, like you said, maybe keep an eye out for one more high school addition if that guy from Georgetown asks is out of of his letter of intent. Yeah, th- there's a there's a couple other guys that I'm, I'm kind of keeping an eye on to see if they enter the transfer portal from Florida State. You know, we still have you know a little over three weeks left of the transfer window for basketball. I think the deadline is May 11th. Um, there, there's still some time for a guy to depart that that didn't see much playing time last season. I'm not going to name any names. Um. And if Florida State's still going after people, that you'd expect someone to leave because right now they're sitting at that 13 limit of scholarships. We'll see if someone else departs. And I, I think it's likely that at least one more guy leaves. I wouldn't be surprised if it's two. Just they can, like I said, fill at the bottom of that roster. This is 
next season's team is going to be a team that beats you one through five. It's going to be kind of that like 2018 kind of team that if everything's clicking right, they're beating you one through 11, one through 12. True. That's good. I'm, I'm liking this. We got football. We got basketball stuff to talk about. It's a busy. It's been a busy week. Busy. What an episode. What an episode. I mean, like I but said, now, was, but now spring camp is over. But now spring camp's over and we don't get to watch another practice till August. I know that so does stink. Definitely when a team is going good. I, you know, Dustin, what was that? Yeah, 2021. We looked at each other like, oh, this is going to be a nice break. This, I'm, don't miss practice as much. But after 2022, you're like fiending to get back out there for a practice, like, or a game or anything. Just to be back in dope felt great. The energy was awesome and got to hang out with Brian Stork. Uh, from our show, Calculated Chaos, had a lot of people coming up saying they listened to the show and everything. That was awesome. But just good to be around the family and everything. It was a fun, fun weekend. And now we got to wait. We got to wait a little while. Luckily, down here in Tampa, the Bucks have NFL, a little bit more of offseason stuff going on with NFL draft coming up next weekend. And we got some rookie we camp and coming stuff up. like that. Yep. So we got some uh, good Bucks stuff to cover. So if you guys are Bucks next fans, weekend. follow us. Bucks game day. <laughs> Yeah, busy. Two more podcasts. Busy. And we're talking about Jamie Robinson getting drafted. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. We'll get to predict. Maybe we could do some predictions on rounds and maybe team. That'd be fun. That man's getting a lot of visit invites <laughs> as as he deserves. I think he does a really good job in person. But uh, yeah, I think that's gonna wrap up this week's episode. It was fun. Appreciate shout out to our guy Carlos Los family to us and looking forward to hang out with him. We'll be down in Orlando this weekend. Noel Game Day is sponsoring Kenny Shaw's Raw Camp for the kids. Excited to be back there. Jameis Winston. God. James There's, Wilder. It's a very long, long Ni- list. Ni- Nickel Nico Larry's on there. Ton of names. Yeah. Ton of Florida State yep. alumni, but you've also got, I think, some UF alumni, some mm-hmm. Miami alumni, some other some other guys as well. I mean, really just a whole crop of former athletes coming out to, you know, give back to the community. And I think you've really got to give a lot of props for Kenny. You know, 2021 was awesome, but it really seems like they've made even more strides. They've got even more coaches coming out there, and it's going to be even better this time around. So, I mean, when you've got these athletes like this who were so – were or are so great at what they do and then to have this mentality to give back you know i I think it really says a lot for them trying to impact the the younger people in the community and i'm just saying i'm I'm just saying logan now's that chance for you to put that picture from the spring game two years ago of me you and los to bed where you're like four inches shorter than all of us okay now brian stork is way taller in person i thought i'm just i'm just saying compared to me and los you looked short in that picture now's a chance for you to make up for that my my computer's just not working right but i'm able to uh share share a few of the names though from kenny shaw's camp we got Jameis winston ike taylor which i'm super excited for being a steelers fan sign me up i gotta get a picture with ike william floyd former he's in our intro for here the spear rashad green one of the best to do it ever Wide receiver room at Florida State, Terrence Brooks, Dexter Jackson, Derek Brooks. This is ridiculous. Devontae Freeman. Uh, that's that's just one of the posts there. It, it's going to be a phenomenal time. Greg Reed, James Wilder Jr., Lonnie Pryor, Chad Abram. Sure, Freddie. Freddie's going to be out there. Oh, yeah. Chad Mavity. 
Ebo said he's going to be out there. Youngest councilman yeah. in Claremont. Let's put that on the podcast. Yeah, Roberto Aguayo, here the Spear alum. Nick O'Leary, like we talked about earlier. Sean McGuire. This, this is this is ridiculous. And then I'm not naming a lot of a lot of guys I went to other schools too will be here. Some playing the league, also trainers beyond beyond there's, stacks. There's former NBA players like Chucky Atkins is going to be there, which is like is <laughs> the craziest thing. Not sure. Honestly, that is. look it up. I haven't seen anything like this. I really haven't. Mike uh, Sims Walker, who played at UCF and played, was – that's a Jacksonville Jaguars legend, if you ask me. Mike Sims Walker? Yeah. You've got UFC guys coming in here, number two lightweight, light heavyweight contender. Like, what's going on here, Kenny? That, it just goes to show Kenny as a person. You know, he takes a lot of time out for us and comes on our show. So, super excited to support him. Go down there. Sponsoring that, going to spend a lot of time with some of the former Knowles, et cetera, et cetera. So appreciate everybody hanging out with us this evening, too. Would love it if you guys hit the like button. This was a really fun show, recapping and finishing off the spring showcase weekend, which ended up being a massive one for Mike Norvell and Florida State heading into the 2023 summer offseason. Make sure you're tuned into our Discord, as that's absolutely rocking right now. Make sure you're subscribed here so then you get notified every time we release a new episode. Appreciate all of y'all. Spring is over. And we will talk to you guys next week on Wednesday at 8 p.m. See you guys.